You've defeated the guard at the entrance of the tower. Ooh, all right. I loot the body. All right. Searching through the body, you find a short sword. Well, I have a few of those already, but I guess I can sell it when I get back to town. All right, let's enter the tower. As you enter the main gate, you see the mangled corpse of a fallen dwarven warrior. Hmm, this this might be a trap, but, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to search that corpse. All right. You sift through the possessions of the corpse, flesh falling from bone, and you discover a short sword. Again? Well, okay. Shove it in the bag of holding. Moving forward. You come face to face with a displacer beast. All right. Knowing that I'm a level five fighter, I'm going to take my short sword and attack twice. Then I'll use my bonus action to attack with my other short sword. Then I'll use my action surge to attack two more times. Wow. All right. Well, it looks like you obliterated it. All right. Great. I am searching the corpse. You search through the blood-soaked fur of this displacer beast and discover... A slightly dented short sword. What? Again? This is ridiculous. What's he even doing with a short sword? He doesn't have opposable thumbs. In this episode of Becoming DM, we're talking about loot, loot, and more loot. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Felicia. And before we get into the episode, we do have to take a moment to make a correction. Uh, Big thanks to Ethan Dotson Kelly for bringing this up to us. He sent us a message via our Facebook page. Uh, We did make a a slight uh, mistake in talking about some of the fighter uh, abilities in the last episode. Mm. Uh, First off, Action Surge does not require a bonus action, so you can still use Action Surge and Second Wind on the same turn if if you would like to do that. Mm -hmm. So... um, And if you're, uh, as we had in our skit, if you're a level five fighter, you can take uh, two attacks because the fighter gets two attacks uh, for their their attack action. Um, They can use action surge then to take two more attacks and then use their bonus action for yet another attack um, with their second weapon uh, for a total of five attacks. Or they can forego that that fifth attack and use second wind as, as their bonus action. So... Um, just a, a note there for those of you who are uh, big action surge fans, uh, making <laughs> sure that we got it right there. Yes, and uh, that's you know obviously on me also as a DM. I uh, <laughs> I'm so used to just my husband obliterating things that sometimes I just don't pay attention to the details of uh, what he's obliterating and how. Is that does that make me a bad DM? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, one little touch up to that as well um, that we did forget to mention um, that action surges recharge with both long rests and short rests. So yep. uh, that was also something that we had forgotten um, to, or even forgotten or just essentially just didn't really cover it much um, in the last episode. So our attempt to correct that. Yep. So now that we're through with that, let's go ahead and get on with the episode. Let's get to it. And, and so the reason that we're doing this episode is, is I feel like, and I've encountered this when I've run games and also when I've played games before, mm-hmm. is that when you start giving out treasure, it can it can end up being kind of a monotonous, tiresome thing where you're, yeah. they, the corpses are searched, you hand out gold, you hand out weapons, maybe some armor, and everything's done. Huzzah. And, 
yeah, I mean, and for a little while that may be okay, but I feel like after a while it's like it's more like we had nurse get another short sword. Okay, great. Hey, I had a dented short sword in that one too, so <laughs> we should be grateful. <laughs> Um, but having having loot items that are outside that that kind of norm of equipment and gold um, mm-hmm. can make your world first off more in depth because you can you can give um, some background to the to the the thing that just got killed, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which may seem a little pointless, but I, I think it still adds to the game mm, for sure. And and I think you know that depth and variety. I think that's the aspiration of pretty much every DM is to create an experience that that you know is really enriching for your players and loot is a very important part of that otherwise what's you know i mean i wouldn't say like it's not the only motivation but it's a strong motivation for your players and if that gets boring and that gets monotonous and it's like what's the point yep may as well go play yahtzee yahtzee <laughs> i love yahtzee, <laughs> yahtzee. I, nothing against yahtzee i'm just <laughs> saying just you get to yell, right. you know so um, I, I think the majority of this, this episode, we're probably going to spend talking about types of loot and then mm-hmm. like within that, what you can do to to make things uh, a little bit more interesting for the players. Yes. Um, so we've broken this out into, into several sections. Mm-hmm. And the first one, I don't know if it's the right term for it. We'll call it higher value. I, I think it probably better to call it standard loot. <laughs> and, and so this is stuff that you're probably already giving your players, uh, the gold, various types of weapons, armor, gems, things Short like swords. that. Short swords. <laughs> I mean, do you have anything that you would consider kind of standard loot for your games? Uh, I mean, I think you pretty much covered all the, <laughs> the general categories. I mean, you know, within gold you know, is like the currency. I mean, you can have like gold items or like the actual coins themselves. And of course, we know there's all sorts of currency. It's not just gold coins, silver coins or copper coins. Yep. I usually like to um, determine that based off of like the difficulty of, of what they're doing or the type of person or corpse they're looting, you know, um, that always kind of determines that. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much majority of it. Yeah, I think that if you if you strictly stick to this stuff, you can end up in a situation again, depending upon the players, where after they kill something, they just stop looting the corpse because it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we could loot it and we could get another another short sword, but the re- reward we're getting paid by the merchant back in town for this quest is is probably fine, so we're just gonna yeah. leave the body there. <laughs> exactly. Well, and you know, now that we're talking about it, at the risk of, I know we're gonna cover it a little more later, but. But, you know, I think one other category is just personal items, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like standard stuff that you would typically find, you know, um, yep. it would also be just personal items. But we'll get into that more later. Yeah. Uh, so the next type we're going to we're going to cover a little bit about is that magical loot. And, and I think this is probably another type that a lot of people will, will get in there eventually. It's It's mm-hmm. obviously not going to be as common. It's probably one of the things that the players maybe get most excited about is is finding that magic item that 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 can benefit them in battle or in whatever they're trying to do unless you're um, my husband yeah well <laughs> and he's like oh another magical item <laughs> you've apparently had too many magical items to apparently to so he's he's kind of burnt on those <laughs> you just need to take away all the magical items uh, he, i would say... be very happy if i did that <laughs> <laughs> he wants to smash everything <laughs> um 
but if you're gonna if you're gonna uh do magic items i feel like there's some questions that you need to ask yourself before you you put a magic item on a corpse for instance mm-hmm. um first off is is kind of why why are you giving this magic item to the player because that's what you're really doing yes they defeated the monster and stuff like that but in the end you determine what the loot is so you're you're kind of giving it to them at that point yeah so yeah go ahead i was just gonna say you know when i um you know when i first started incorporating magical items into um like my own homebrew campaigns it really was just to offer diversity like i wanted something different i wanted to um provide my players sort of a resource that they could alternatively use later in the game or not Mm -hmm. i mean it was their choice but it's kind of like you were saying i was getting tired of just constantly offering treasure like just typical gold and armor and I was just really wanting to, um, well, a couple of things was, you know, try to get them to do something or look for different things, do different things, um, and just kind of get them in the habit of exploring. Like if they realize, oh, if I really search X, Y, and Z, then I'm going to find more of this. So it was kind of like multifaceted for me, like why I started incorporating magic items. Yeah, and, and to that, like inc- getting them used to being a, to searching things, you could be trying to encourage them to do something, and it, it could be beyond that searching thing. It could be where mm-hmm. you've got you've got a fighter who's who really wades into the battle and and carries his party a- against uh, odds that that you maybe didn't expect them to 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 beat, mm-hmm. and so encouraging them to kind of keep doing what they're doing is as part of that could be one of the reasons that you're you're giving them uh this magic item like you you want to weigh it into battle and slice off people's heads well here's a giant a giant axe that does plus whatever and and has this special ability attached to it (laughs) perfect for lobbing off heads yeah (laughs) you know the other thing to that is you know you can also use it for like the exact opposite like magical items can also be used to discourage players from doing something uh case Mm -hmm. in point i did a homebrew that was essentially like a booby-trapped tomb. And there were this altar. It was like a magical altar with offerings on it. And it was supposed to not be touched. That was the whole point, was to <laughs> not touch it. And sure enough, my husband just barrels his way through the crowd and starts just looting the altar. And he gets cursed. And like from the entire rest of the game, he was at a disadvantage. And they come across another altar that's magical with even more powerful magical items on it. And you want to know what he does? pushes through the rest of the group and tries to loot it again. Just saying. D- despite the fact that he complains about magic items. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He was just like, well, I wanted to see what was there. I was like, oh. So, you know, it can be an attempt to, you know, like especially cursed items, right? Um, you know, they can also be ways of, of dissuading, you know, your uh, players from going a certain direction or doing a certain thing, you know, like a test of willpower, if you will. And then along those same lines, you can also encourage a player to try something different. Um, Mm -hmm. I, in, in the game of, of, uh, of kids that I ran with my, my son and his friends, I, I made a magic item that we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit. And I've used it, used the same item in a different game, but the original purpose was they had a, a rogue in their party who was really, playing his character like a fighter which is fine if that's what he wants to do but i wanted to give him something that would maybe encourage um helping the party in different ways um so that the, that the fighter could be the fighter and and the the rogue could do the sneaky stuff so i i i had an item that they they found at one point that 
kind of gave him some additional abilities that were uh, more sneaky, so to speak. Mm. How sneaky. Yep. Hmm. Um, another reason that you might be giving it to it is to to try and balance power, power in the party. So uh, mm. you've got those players that have just kind of gone way above and beyond what everybody else is doing. They walk and wipe wipe out the, the entire enemy battlefield uh, without thinking about it. And while that's not necessarily a, a problem, if you've got players that are, as a result, not having fun in the game, mm-hmm. it may be something to consider that you need to, to balance out the power between the, the characters somehow. And yeah. And by providing a uh, a magic item, you you can you can do that to some extent. That's true. Um, and then the other thing to do or to consider when it comes to you know these types of items is that you may be providing these items to these players in preparation for a creature or monster that they might come across um, yep. that perhaps can only be hurt by magical items. Um, you know, the the black pudding is a really good example of that you know where magic items are really the thing that does most damage to them yeah or any sort of um kind of incorporeal creature like we talked Mm -hmm. about shadows in our in our my favorite monster episode once um um, anything like that 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 is going to be uh harder to hit or immune to non-magical attacks uh they'll they'll need something for that so you may be just prepping them for that encounter Mm -hmm. exactly so once you've kind of decided why you're going to give that item to it, uh, you, you kind of need to think about whether the whether it's um, level appropriate for the players, uh, and and this can go both directions because if you have a if you have a an item that's that's too powerful, it's potentially going to break your game and all of the encounters that you're you're putting in front of the players. So definitely keep an eye on on how powerful it is from that perspective Mm -hmm. but and you can also be not powerful enough right yeah i mean that's why i like when i'm now when i'm doing homebrew campaigns for like my group i have be mindful because they're already all at that fifth level soon to go into sixth level and so i have to like sort of do more research now and like the types of items that i may have them come across because if they're going to find something that's a lower level than what they already have. It's kind of like almost like the short sword scenario. Like, okay, that's that's great. I mean, it's worthless to me really in comparison to what I already <laughs> have. So that sucks. And by now I have enough money that even even if I sell it, it's pretty worthless too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you really just can't do anything with it. And well, that's no fun for anyone. Yeah. And, and to that, um, I know that Pathfinder, at least first edition Pathfinder, has a, has a book that I have relied upon fairly heavily for at least to verify if an item that I wanted exists and mm. if not to to give me clue me in on what I if I need to make something mm-hmm. uh, they have the the ultimate equipment book which is just mm. a book that has compiles equipment from all these various different sources it has magic items it has regular weapons it has armor and non non weapon non armor stuff in it i don't know if there's a book like that for D&D, but if there is, I imagine it would be be pretty handy. Uh, probably. I mean, I, I imagine, I don't know if the Dungeon Master's Guide has that in it. I feel like it might, um, or if it has like a dedicated resource for just that. It probably does. It, this is going to sound terrible for me as a DM, but I, I don't have an expansive <laughs> library of resources um, 
I, I usually just end up Googling um, like really good, you know, magical <coughs> items for level blah players. And I just kind of go off of that. Um, yeah. So in the DMs guide for 5e, they do have a section that, that lists out um, um, some magic items. But I, I and I've looked through it, but I don't mm-hmm. know if, if they're if they encompass all of the items that are in all of the various books, I, I got to yeah. imagine probably not just because it was released before a lot of the other books. Mm-hmm. So no, no, you're probably um, right. Um, so to that, I don't have the exact answer. Like I said, I'm, I'm a Google girl. So <laughs> chances are I'm like, Google, tell me, tell me your secrets. And I've, I've found a couple of, uh, and I think because me, I also try to go for something that's relatively unique. So, you mm-hmm. know, you can scroll through like Reddit or, um, you know, it's not just a book. I like to hear people's opinions on it too, because I like to hear like what the experience was with those particular items. How well were they received? How were they utilized? And what scenarios do they provide them? So, you know, for me, sometimes it's kind of delving down that particular rabbit hole when it comes to searching for new things to provide for my players is, um, a little more beneficial because I get a more holistic idea if it's something that is appropriate for my players. Yep. Yeah. And, and to that that whole providing a unique magic item experience uh, for the players, you may end up, if you're going down this path, you may end up needing to ter- determine if you're looking for an official magic item like you can find in, in the DM's guide or the ultimate equipment guide mm-hmm. or whether you need to, to look at homebrewing it yourself. Make it yourself. Because if you really want unique, then you kind of yeah. figure out what you want that that weapon or item to do, mm-hmm. and you can you can homebrew it. Yeah, DIY. Yep. And if you're if you're looking at doing that, there are some resources. Um, the 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 Five E Dungeon Master Guide on page two eighty four does mm-hmm. list some things to consider when creating a magic item. Yeah, it's not extensive i would say well, not like your thing that you were talking about for sure I, I i i would i would maybe look uh do some google searches for um homebrew how to homebrew a magic item for whatever system you're on and there's there's a number of of sites and resources that kind of provide some some good guidance on on how to do this i don't unfortunately have a have one that I particularly recommend every time I look at doing this, I end up searching for something and I end up somewhere different. (laughs) I mean, I think that's the thing about all of this is just like, you know, trying to find what works best for your campaign and your players. Like you don't have to always just rely strictly on one resource or another. Like sometimes it does, it takes you to kind of, you know, sift through multiple, you know, multiple resources before you finally settle on what works for you, you know? Yep. Whether it is making your own. And even when it comes to making your own, yeah. Like, again, like I would scour through Reddit conversations just to see, like, you know, examples of what other people um, created as inspiration for myself. It's like Pinterest, you know? You look at someone's like, oh, this is how I redid my bedroom on Pinterest. And then it's like, <laughs> man, that's how I want to do mine. So. Yep. Um, yeah, and if you decide to go down the route of of making your own, again, choosing whatever resource works best for you, leveraging those those things that are out there, and there's lots of homebrew magic items if you if you search for them. So if you just wanted to use someone else's work in that space, you could just make mm-hmm. sure it's going to work in your game. But also know that that if you are homebrewing your own magic items, you're probably going to have issues um, uh, potentially because. 
you're making it a certain way. You can't necessarily predict everything that the player is going to do with it. So Mm -hmm. you're not, you don't know if you're going to be breaking the game with it or not. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of always the risk you take when you do stuff like that, you know, um, you, you really just don't really know how it's going (laughs) to, how it's going to turn out. Yeah. I mean, you could do things like like have the the item have power that scales. So the longer that they own it, use it, or based under these conditions, it can mm-hmm. grow in power. So so that you can start with a little bit more scaled down version that may yeah. be, may not be so game breaking, and then you can adjust how it scales as it uh, as you see how it's being used. That's a good idea. That way, they don't have to like dispose of it. All right, so let's talk about some of those uh, those magic item uh, type of types of items, right? Mm-hmm. Moving on. First, I'm gonna up let you kick it off. Weapons. <laughs> I know. I was going for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. So first category, weapons. Um, so you know you have your standard type of magical weapons that adds you know plus one or plus two or whatever to um, you know their their typical attacks. Um, those, those, I started with those when I was offering, I was like, oh, well, this sword is plus two when you use it, blah, blah, blah. Um, kind of dipping my toe in the, you know, weapons with an advantage kind of, um, Mm -hmm. loot, if you will. Um, but then you always have, not always, but you sometimes have weapons that, you know, it's not really about, um, them being more effective in combat. You know, it can be that they have other special effects and then sometimes those effects like, Sometimes they they have good function and purpose, and sometimes, you know, they don't. You know, you have one, like, what was it? Uh, was it Lord of the Rings or whatever, you know, where his, like, sword, or maybe it was a little necklace thing. Well, anyways, but you could have a sword that... Are you talking about glow- Sting, that it glows when there's yes, enemies nearby? that's what which I was saying, Which then, like, yeah. highlights you as the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> You're an enemy to yourself. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, stuff like that, where maybe it, yeah, it glows when enemies are around, or maybe it's something that can tell when someone's lying, or... You know, something like that. Um, you know, you have those types of weapons. Or, you know, you can have weapons that really don't have much of a purpose. Maybe, like, for me, I I have this default. If I don't know what to do necessarily with something, I'm almost always going to default to humor. And it's like, if I can't make it anything, <laughs> I'm going to make it funny. Um, I think you had a, a an example of, um, of something that you, you gave for a weapon with a special effect. Yeah, so um, in fact, my players just got this in our last session, uh, and mm-hmm. and not all of this is revealed. So, if you play in my game, stop listening. I I see, <laughs> feel like I tell this, them this every episode. So maybe We're I should just tell anyways. them, don't listen to my podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell my listen like my players too. I was like, I swear to dog, you better not listen to this. <laughs> um, so. Uh, they, they basically found this weapon called the Axe of Conflict, and it, it has this long and storied history, but it boils down to the um, the life essence of a demon and an angel were mm. were entrapped inside this axe, uh, mm. thus imbuing it with magical properties. Mm. Uh, in general, again, this is one of those weapons that I'm, I'm thinking will probably scale. So it starts off with it's, it acts as primarily a plus one X, but it also has, um, when the, when the player, uh, has a successful attack, they hit, Mm -hmm. um, they, they roll a percentile dice and on a certain percentage, I'm not going to let say what, what, what that is because maybe somebody didn't listen to me when I said, stop listening. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't listen. Um, So they're listening. Yeah, either the uh, the angel or the demon will temporarily be released from the axe. Um, mm. 
and uh, and part of the storyline of the game is they they actually uh, had a hand in recapturing the demon. Uh, so the demon will attack the players, okay. and and the angel will will help the players and attack their enemies. So it's a it's a could be good, could be bad kind of oh, situation. Yeah, which which one are you gonna get? Yeah. So, um, that's, that's what I did. I, I felt like having it, it's a fairly small percentage. So most of the time it's going to be a plus one X, but mm-hmm. these, these small, small percentage of the time you'll have this thing that will either really help you wipe out your enemies or will really potentially turn the tide of battle a different way than it was going because you're now being attacked by this demon. <laughs> oh god this was a bad choice <laughs> and it's they're only around for like one or two rounds i haven't decided the final thing there but it's not like they're there permanently they come out temporarily take their attacks and then get sucked back into the axe i think for a demon i think one or two rounds is just enough time yeah so it doesn't take long <laughs> to wreak havoc um that's actually really that's very um yeah, it's very unique. I would I wouldn't have heard it or I haven't heard of something like that before. Uh, you, I think I feel like you've always been really good at creating those type of unique circumstances or those very like one of a kind type of weapons. So, well, thank you. Yeah, Tony, mine are just funny. That's that's all I had, and I think I've mentioned this on a previous episode of ours about um, how I have a leaking sword and, and a staff as well, both that were. Um, essentially artifacts that were found in an old elven tomb that are possessed by spirits of um, these two <laughs> these two um, female elves that like were part of an aristocracy and they essentially were just competitive families so they didn't like each other and it's sort of like was it the preppy mean girls in high school kind of thing always talking bad about each other and you know trying to make each other look bad and I guess that grudge carried into the afterlife so when each of these weapons got possessed by each of the spirits um it just happens to be that if you ever try to use them, most of the time, all they're going to do is bicker with each other. Um, <laughs> or one of them, it's like all it really does is just leak water. Like you want it to do something, it just ends up leaking water. Um, so not very effective weapons. Uh, they get distracted very easily, especially if I mean, you have both of them out. It's almost exactly like the one that I have. They just, they're funny instead. They're funny instead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, like, so just kind of goes back to what we were saying about, um, you know, how weapons, the special purpose, the special power or whatever that, that weapon has, it doesn't always have to be conducive to a certain goal within like combat or even to push the plot forward within your campaign. It can honestly just be for (laughs) entertainment, if you will. So it's really funny because every once in a while, like my player who has it still tries to use it. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like, it's, you know what's going to happen, and you keep trying. He's hoping for a better outcome. <laughs> he really is, and, you know, poor, poor is. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yep. Um, so, moving on, kind of a, another magic item type. You probably already know this one, armor, clothing. So, you, mm-hmm. you've got the, the kind of plus one, plus two armor type yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have those... Uh, specialty rings like rings Mm -hmm. of protection or rings that allow you to do other things than just have a better armor class (laughs) Mm -hmm. for sure ring protection or something yeah and then um and then cloaks uh are are another one i think that that uh, that kind of sometimes gets forgotten when you talk about magic items Um, yeah for sure and that's I, i i mentioned earlier that i had a i had given a 
a magic item to one of my my kid players uh, to try and encourage him to be more roguey, stealth like, and so <laughs> roguey. Um, I, I gave I gave him uh, what I called the cloak of eternal darkness, and and what it does is it gives you a, a bonus to to stealth rolls when it's being worn, mm-hmm. but also uh, once per day, and this is another one of those that that will probably scale. Uh, once per day, they can do a shadow step where they they as long as they're within a shadow, they can step to another shadow that's within within 120 feet of them. So it hmm. gives them a nice ability to sneak up behind somebody, um, take them unawares, uh, move past a, a guard, something like this, things like that. Sounds quite convenient. In Darkwind, my character has a boat, and it's called the Yip Yaw. Why? I, I just kind of thought it would be a funny name, but that's the cool thing about Darkwind. You're free to do things like your, give your boat a name that might be stupid that you thought was funny at the time. That's right, Darkwind is our sponsor again for this episode. The massive text-based multiplayer role-playing game is free to play and quick to get started. You can do it right now. Just go to play.darkwind.org and sign up for free. And when you buy a boat, let me know if its name is better than Yip Yaw. Um, so the next category outside of weapons and armors is um, just general objects. So, you know, scrolls, you have like scrolls with magical spells on it, like, you know, uh, burning hands or lightning bolt or something like that. You can have orbs or uh, lights, you know, um, you know, orbs or a glowing light orb. Who knows? Um, spellcaster books. Um, you can have other magical um, items. I mean, we mentioned rings before, but. Uh, you know, boxes or lanterns. Um, I had this one where it was like a flask and the flask would like continually fill with like this really, really nice um, elven liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really serve any other purpose just to be like a flask with liquor in it. But um, I mean, to that extent, you could have a flask that continually fills with water. And if you're doing yeah. a a campaign where you track resources, um, that could be very valuable because you don't For have sure. to use a spell slot to create water or anything like mm-hmm. that you've got yeah. this this flask hey you're good or like a very like common common typical one is like you know a bag of holding yep. so you know those gosh they hold everything and everything you know tons of short swords can go in there <laughs> i've heard <laughs> <laughs> but yeah those are some examples of just kind of general objects um outside of armor and weapons that you can also um put magical properties on if you will yeah, so I mean, let's let's kind of wrap up the magic items now and <laughs> go into into other types of loot, right? We've been talking about magic, magic items so- and 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 stuff for a while, so let's talk about some lower value items and and lower value items. I think could be a lot of fun and add a lot of stuff to your game that that maybe isn't already there. When I when I say that, I'm, I mean. When you go to battle, when your enemies go to battle, they're typically not going to go to battle with just a sword and armor and some gold, right? Well, one would hope. <laughs> and, and even if they were to do that, they, they probably have a layer that has some other stuff than their sword, their armor, and their gold. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, aka uh, junk. 
Yeah, so we can break this out into a couple of different ways. Uh, I think junk is is the best way to talk about it. And <laughs> you have we you've mentioned it before, but I, I feel like we need to bring it up again. Uh, the the one of the perfect ex- examples of junk that you can give your players. Yes, it's the good old fashioned crusty sock. You guys heard me say it over and over again. I feel it's worth mentioning, as John said. It's hilarious. You really just don't know if you're going to get it or not. And I try to make it so that, you know, they get mostly one foot or the other because I don't want them to have a complete pair. It's just an inconvenient, (laughs) crusty sock to have. Um, And it highly just depends on what my players roll. At this point, I think they know if they roll a low number, they're they're pretty much going to end up with a sock. (laughs) Eventually, I'll get that pair. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get that right sock someday. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. And, and beyond beyond that, and I I I I really like that you include that in your game because it's it's something that the players come to expect. It's something that <laughs> always gets a little bit of a laugh from everybody, and it's just it adds a little bit of levity to the game when you're like, I'm searching this corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this displacer beast have a crusty sock? <laughs> um. But beyond that, there's there's a lot of different random things that your enemy can carry that have no bearing on your game whatsoever. So mm-hmm. like I'm thinking things like a pouch of tobacco. Maybe they, they smoke, and, and to that extent, a pipe to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they collect bones from their old enemies, and they've got a finger bone from an enemy, or a necklace made of finger bones. That's Ooh, even better. a necklace better. made of ears. <laughs> yes, necklace made of ears would be good. Uh, mm. I mean... Again, keep in mind what what the thing is that was killed and and have it be appropriate for them. But there's lots (laughs) of things you can do here. Um, Wedding rings. um, You could have a note from their kid, which which could actually end up creating a story hook. uh, If you if you pull at the heartstrings enough and if your uh, players aren't totally dead to the world cold. (laughs) (laughs) Their souls died long ago. Um, yeah, you can also do, I mean, not to get like too crazy dark, but you know, um, you know, you're talking about finger bones, you can also have like parts of an animal, you know, as like, uh, like a tote, like a totem kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, like a rabbit's foot kind of thing, like a good luck charm or something for protective purposes, you know, representative of a religious or spiritual belief. Um, you know, they have something like that on them. Well, and to that, you could even have just an animal carcass that, like, they had hunted and were going to cook up later. You just happened to catch them before they dropped it back off at camp. Aw, they never got to have their final meal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Their final meal was your sword. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, that was bad. (laughs) So bad. Um, and here I thought, you know, you know, again, not to go rehashing the whole magic thing, but, you know, they can have, um, items of like, you know, for spell casting, you know, uh, the eye of a newt or something along those lines. Yeah. The spell components of all, all different types, uh, Mm -hmm. dusts and powders and tinctures and all this other, all these other things that, uh, that you may need to cast spells. Mm Mm-hmm. And additionally, going beyond that, they could have a, a live animal. Maybe they carry around a mouse in their pocket or something like that. I mean, wow. I mean if it survived battle, it might be a lucky mouse. <laughs> and, I mean, you can even go one step further since you're talking about the mouse. I mean, we could have familiars. Yep. You know, um, you know, it was their familiar that was with them and you struck down their master. And now you've got this, well, like you said, this random mouse. Yeah, or or it could be like if you've got if you've got like goblins or kobolds or some of the mm-hmm. 
the little bit more creepier uh, um, enemies that you could fight. You could have you could have little boxes of centipedes or beetles or spiders or stuff like that that they just carry around as their pets. (laughs) Lovely, just wonderful. Um, and then yeah, I mean, then you can also have like other just basic things, food and drink. You were talking about like a pouch of water, um, you know, just some of that like was that traveler's bread or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just random things. Or you can even have nasty looking food. I mean, you know, if you cut down an ogre, God only knows what you're gonna find on them. Yep. And and really, if you're looking for some good ideas of other things that you might have um, these corpses carrying, I uh, in doing research for this episode, I found uh, I found this woman who who publishes these kind of tables and charts, which I know you're going to love, Felicia, because it's tables and charts. <laughs> I love tables uh, and charts. Um, but if you if you do a Google search for Lady Tiefling, she's got a Facebook page and Pinterest mm. page and all sorts of other social media things where she posts these things and it's an image that like it has different things that you might loot so mm-hmm. loot the kobold and it's got a it's got a, a list of 10 or 20 different things and you roll a percentile dice to see what you loot um or loot the warlock or mm. uh, she's got it by by uh races of of enemies as well as uh, classes so you can really kind of ch- pick and choose what what feels right for the situation and and even if you don't roll the table it's a great way to get ideas for things that those enemies might carry sounds delightfully in depth yep Ooh, and their tables so you know <laughs> it's like right up my alley <laughs> yep so moving on to the next uh topic that you if you will um yep. so it's like items perhaps that move your story forward right or something that kind of pulls your players into a different part of the story like a story hook yeah and it doesn't have to move the the current story forward it could be a hook for a side quest mm-hmm. or a completely different story um and start up something just, brand new yeah and, and i mean we talk about letters all the time in this show mm-hmm. as a way to convey information <laughs> so you can always have the corpse carrying a letter of some type with uh, with details about some sort of quest that the players could take up uh, mm-hmm. or something like that right yeah i mean I'd say that's you know, maybe perhaps a bit low-hanging fruit on that, but, you know. Yep. <laughs> um, but, you know, honestly, like, you know, if it works, it works. And if that's, you know, what you have that you can come up with, then I'm sure your players will always enjoy that. Um, you know, and you can always provide it in, in forms of props, you know, like maybe actually make a real letter, you know, and yep. hand it to them. Those are always fun ways to kind of, you know, um, throw, you know, kind of a little variation into it. You know, you're not just telling them they found a letter. You're actually handing them a letter. Yeah. Um, if you want to go a little bit less low-hanging fruit, okay. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, one of the things you could do is you could uh, you could have them carrying an item that that is obviously stolen, uh, maybe mm. from a noble or a merchant. Uh, maybe it's a, a box that has the the seal of that noble or or mm-hmm. the stamp of the merchant or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, you you give the players the opportunity of of either keeping it as, as loot of some sort or, or going on a, a sort of a small side quest to return it. And that return could be looked on as, as, Oh, thank you. Thank you for returning this to me. Or it could be looked on as you stole this from me because maybe they (laughs) don't know who stole it from them. Thief. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, another interesting little, um, you know, recovering what's lost kind of um, item. <laughs> there's a, I, I know you, I don't think you've ever played The Witcher, but there was, um, there's one little side quest where like you have to find, I, I want to say it's a goat or a sheep. Mm-hmm. And you come across it and you have to try and return it back to its owner. Um, so, you know, something that you found from someone, maybe you like <laughs> stole these bandits or you come across these bandits and then you kill them. And then you realize there's like a goat tied to a tree and the goat has a collar on it, you know, um, <laughs> it was a very beloved goat. Um, again, just something fun, random, doesn't really contribute much to the main story, but you know, just something for a little variance. You know, I think sometimes when people think of stolen items, they just tend to think of things that you can pocket mm-hmm. and, you know, you can always throw something completely, unexpected at them like a goat yep yep uh you could also do something like a like have them be carrying a property deed which mm. uh again do you at this point you could really get into well what's the legal implications do i own the property <laughs> if i own the deed and blah 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 it's mine now. but <laughs> but it's it's if you wanted to give your players some way to have a home base and and doing that there there's advantages and disadvantages to doing that i think we we may even be able to do an episode about it, but <laughs> regardless, uh, you could you could give them this deed as a way to to have them have a home base, and then they can have quests to fix the place up, or maybe mm-hmm. somebody else says they have a claim to it, and it's a matter yeah. of finding that claim. And I mean, you could go a totally different direction with that. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, that's a hefty one, though. Like a really big thing and such a small item. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, you probably want this to be an enemy more than just like like the Thug 31, just to refer to our previous episodes. <laughs> he just happened to have one on him, you know. Typically. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of along those same lines, though, is, you know, um, treasure maps are always a really good or just you know a map in general that leads to something kind of like scavenger hunt-esque kind of a of a little thing that you may find on someone i like the idea of like a scavenger hunt map it just reminds me very much of like count of monte cristo you know mm-hmm. um where like it's just you have the resource but you still have to kind of figure out what it means and it takes you to different places um like it was found that that would be a really sort of fun and engaging item to find yep yep and if you do a treasure map, you you don't the treasure doesn't have to be there. It could have been found. I mean, you obviously <laughs> want to have something for the experience, but but you could feasibly have a treasure map where they get to the end and it's like, oh, it's an open box. <laughs> Someone left a note with a smiley face on it. <laughs> Aww. Um, or maybe the um, the treasure is like a mimic or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not an empty box. It's a mimic. Oh God. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could also have a note uh, of a debt that was owed to the corpse. And and at that point, the players can be like, well, if I have the note, can I collect the debt? And, <laughs> and go through this whole what's right versus <laughs> versus what they do kind of thing. Is there um, a rogue in your group? But I, I think that... And, and, and then kind of an if you collect that debt, what are the ramifications of that? Do you does somebody see you collect that debt and assume that you're associated with Corpse Man and assume that you're corpse this man. this bad guy associated with this faction and then try yeah. to, to make a move against you as a real there's all sorts of like add on effects that you can have by them them trying to collect that debt if that's what they choose to do. Yeah. 
Uh, and similarly, you know, if we're talking about a debt owed to the corpse, you know, you can also have something on the corpse where they were in the middle of doing a, a contract. You know, they, mm-hmm. they were doing a job, but they failed to complete it. And so now you have this and you're like, hmm, if this job hasn't been completed yet, maybe I can do it and, you know, collect uh, the reward or the bounty for it. Yep. Or um, keep it for myself. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, there's just a couple of examples of like things that you can find um, as you're looting or exploring or scavenging um, that can kind of lead to a more like hor- like story hook kind of a, a situation. Yep. Yeah. And then beyond that kind of what we what we were calling low uh, value loot and sort of kind of a different kind of low value loot, you could have lo- loot with actual uh, a functional purpose. So. Um, we, we we've talked a little bit about about props before and i had the, mm-hmm. the the pendant prop where it had a clue to a puzzle on it mm-hmm. so it could be something like that or a, a piece of a, of a puzzle something like that i think you've done some of these as well right yeah i mean you know i've had pieces of of um riddles that had to be collected or you know oh they discover a key but they maybe they don't know it's a key until they come across the thing that looks like the shape of that thing um you know, little bits, again, like I said, sort of scavenger hunt-esque, you know, something that you have to gather pieces of until you get to the final um, destination, wherever that is. A lot of this is obviously maybe a little more puzzle-related, but, you know, um, it essentially serves some sort of purpose that ties into the story. So, you know, and it can be something that's magical. It can be something that is a weapon. It can be something that is armor. Maybe it's like a sword that you find and that sword has to be placed on a very specific altar and there's a riddle on the sword that leads you potentially to that altar and when you do it, something happens. Um, So it's just one of those things where it's just sort of like, you know, just think like Indiana Jones, think Uncharted, think Mm -hmm. of just things that you can find or discover that potentially lead to a great adventure. Yep. Now, one of the things that we were talking about before we recorded that I, I really liked and hadn't really thought about is, is you could, you could have some sort of, uh, what looked like trash food item or something like that, that could be then used later to distract a, uh, a guard animal. Mm -hmm. And maybe when the player's, at first see it they're like why why would i want this and they leave it behind <laughs> and and they they would still potentially have a, a way around the guard animal but maybe harder or they mm-hmm. may be like oh let's go see if that bone is still there <laughs> yeah and you know the thing with um i i caution people on on the the food or bait you know is that you know you need to be able to make it like connectable for your players like if you're just starting your story and they happen to come across like, oh, and then there's this rotten piece of flesh on a bone, they may not really like think to collect it, but perhaps yeah. they come across a situation where they see like an animal or a guard dog or something like that. They kind of like, okay, there's a guard dog. We need to figure out how to get past it. And then maybe at some point in time, they happen to find like a, a dish with some old bones in it or something like that. And then they're able to connect those dots. But if yeah, you and, present it to them beforehand, they may not be able to make that connection. And if you're going to present it to them, I would say don't have 10 sessions go by between when they found <laughs> it and when they can use it. Uh, if if your plan is later. for them to use it for that, oh, to have man. it happen relatively soon. Because otherwise you're going to be like, have you looked on your character sheet? Hey, what's <laughs> in your inventory? <laughs> you remember what you got from Corpse Man? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's with anything. Obviously, you want to be able to present it in a way that your players, you know, can connect those dots. Um, and that's that's not just with, you know, the bait and anything. That's with any of these items, magical items, you know, items with purpose, um, pieces of a puzzle, like anything like that. If it ties into your greater story somehow, like like you were saying, this magical weapon because of its magical properties, it's the perfect weapon against a creature they may come across later. Like, you want to be able to present it in a way that it doesn't... Either your players are able to understand that it's going to serve a purpose later, um, or in a way that they don't forget about it after they've already looted it. Because, you know, maybe they came across 24 short swords, but short sword number 13 was the one they really needed. <laughs> short sword number 13, wielded by Thug 31. Exactly. <laughs> Who is now Corpse Man. These are apparently going to be recurring uh, <laughs> items and people within our episodes now. <laughs> that and the crusty socks. So yep. remember, folks, never forget the crusty socks. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that was what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, if you're thinking about loot for your game, you have a little bit more variance, a little bit more um, depth to what maybe the enemies carry, and it and it makes for a more enjoyable game for all. Yeah. So... Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. friends. (laughs) Thanks for joining us again. As always, it really helps when you share the show with friends to help increase our listenership. Send them to our website, becomingdm.com, or Facebook, we are facebook.com slash becomingdm, and on Twitter, we're at becomingdm. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.